From Community Public Radio, this is the CPR News. From New York, I'm Don DeBar. Today we go to Philadelphia to speak with Professor Tony Montero from the Saturday Free School there in Philly. Uh, we're going to discuss today, looking around the world, that perhaps some very ugly uh, possibilities anyway, um, with the apparent possibility of an actual war in Europe with Russia and the United States and NATO and Ukraine and who knows who else. And wonder what exactly is going on here? What's the soil in which some sanity might take root in the United States? And particularly, what's up with the left? So well, welcome, Tony. It's glad, and we're glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Don. It's very, very good to be with you. Uh, and uh, the way you set it up, I think, is quite appropriate. Uh, the issue of war and peace, the Biden administration wants a war uh, and is doing everything it can to provoke a war. Uh, Putin and the Russian government has said time and again, they do not want a war. There is no intent uh, to invade the Ukraine, uh, but they, the Russians, have broad and uh, significant security concerns via the expansion of NATO uh, to the borders of Russia, and them saying that uh, placing offensive weapons, although the Biden administration denies it and the British government denies it, uh, what the Russians are saying is that the U.S. and some of its Western allies are, are intent upon putting offensive nuclear weapons in uh, Ukraine in the form of uh, nuclear uh, drones, uh, which could hit Russia or its major cities in a matter of minutes. Now they're saying uh, seven minutes, but they're saying if they, if the West and the United States goes to hypersonic weapons, they could hit Moscow and other major cities in five minutes, uh, which means uh, from the standpoint of the Russian government, they see this as an existential threat because these weapons could uh, target uh, the Russian leadership, by which I mean the president and the military leadership, right. target them for assassination. Uh, and they're calling for, that is the Russians, for the uh, NATO uh, to back up to to what it where it was in 1997 that Russia has security concerns that uh, that Georgia and Ukraine never be allowed to join NATO and on and on and on uh, in the face of this Biden administration committed to war and not just in Eastern Europe, or not just against Russia, but we can never forget that they still see uh, China 
as a, quote, bigger threat. So they're talking about war over Taiwan. They've said that again and again. Uh, and here we are with a left that completely submitted uh, to the Biden campaign, to a Biden presidency, no criticism of Biden worth mentioning, no challenging of Biden as a candidate over questions of war and peace. Uh, and I'll just end this part on this saying this, you know, I wrote an essay for Black Agenda Report back in 2020. I think uh, in November, in fact, uh, 2020, right after the election, where I said that the U.S. left, however that is defined, and we can narrow it down or be more precise in defining what it is, but the American left broadly conceived went hook, line, and sinker with Biden under the guise that they were fighting fascism from Trump. And now here we have a war administration. I had spoken about that. I had uh, pleaded with some sanity on the left that Biden, like Hillary Clinton in 2016, represented a greater threat of war. And here we are, and the left has no political response to uh, this war policy of the Biden administration. You know, the it, it wasn't subtle. Okay, it's one thing, I mean, you have... Out of, I know a lot of folks and talk to a lot of people, and I've always had the highest regard for your ability to uh, analyze and uh, critique and articulate the you know what what's going on around us in in, in a way that even I could understand. In fact, um, and uh, you know it, it, it wasn't subtle. Mm -hmm. However, it didn't require that kind of skill once. <clears throat> The entire political establishment, media, and huge chunks of just the social uh, conversation, the, the public narrative, jumped on Trump, not... They would throw as an aside this, you know, as if they were gathering constituencies. Well, he's a racist. Well, he's a misogynist. Well, he has bad breath. Well, whatever other things. But and therefore, he's Putin's puppet and the greatest threat to our democracy that ever existed. And they didn't do racism gate or misogyny gate or you know, staggering gate or any other gate. They did Russia gate for five years that Russia had committed an act of war against the United States. That that was, you know, we, we, you were hearing statements from people like Gene Shanine, the, the Democratic senator from New Hampshire. Russian propaganda has a body count. It is war business, war propaganda. So that we got here on the back of Biden, who 
you know, we had also a whole discussion about, number one, his role in the coup d'etat that took place in, in Ukraine in 2013 and 2014. He was the point man for the Obama administration for that. And at the end of it, we end up finding out his son has a no-show job for hundreds of thousands of dollars in a little crooked energy company that essentially has a piece of wealth that was stolen from the people when the Soviet Union collapsed. And now that we are uh, basically sort of in a triangulation because you've got on the ground these, to to call them neo-Nazis is is really not, doesn't do it justice. Actual Nazis that are one of the legs on which the government stands, but one of the legs that we installed, making policy, sort of forcing the president of Ukraine even into a war posture and war propaganda with uh, targeting Russia and the people that live in the eastern part of their own country. And then the people here that obviously think that if they push hard enough, I'm hoping that this is what they want instead of actual war, that if they push hard enough that Russia is going to collapse and they'll be able to go in and loot it. And we are closer to a world war, according to almost every analyst out here that that remembers the Cuban Missile Crisis since then, and some of them are saying since World War II. And the only reason we didn't have a war in 1962, a global nuclear war, according to Robert McNamara, the the Secretary of Defense at that time, Fidel Castro, who was the Cuban leader at that time and the, the, the site of the missiles that were you know, such a big issue, uh, and uh, Nikita Khrushchev, who was the premier of the Soviet Union at that time, the only reason we didn't have war was sheer luck. Mm-hmm. Now, we had JFK in this seat back then in terms of cooler heads prevailing. That was the term they used. We have Biden now. Right. That's right. We have Biden uh, who was an empty suit uh, and really not running the show, but we have these two ideologues, uh, Blinken, who was a Secretary of State, and behind him, people like Victoria Nuland right. and her crew, who are Russia haters, uh, and uh, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor. Right. Uh, these are neocons uh, who... You know, uh, while they took down governments in the Middle East uh, and and other places, uh, their ultimate goal was to bring Russia down, uh, to literally continue what was begun with the undoing of the Soviet Union. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, yeah. it, it's, uh, it puts us in a bad, in a very difficult position. But here is the knock, the left, the so-called left, which is a fake left, which put itself in bed with Biden and now the Biden administration, which, by the way, is one of the most unpopular administrations in modern memory. Modern history. modern U.S. history. Right. The left is his Prince, one of his principal supporters, or at least uh, they they refuse to back away from this guy, even as he pushes for a war, as you put it, that could be a world war. You know, Don, let's just tease it out or deconstruct it a little bit. 
from the night from the twenty from twenty nineteen pretty much through the twenty twenties and the election, we heard all of these theories being thrown at us from the left. You know, for example, the sixteen nineteen project sponsored by the New York Times. Then we get this idea of settler colonialism, which is adjacent to and a and derives from the 1619 project. Well, both of these theories, so-called left theories, are designed to divide the people and give the ruling class a freer hand to do what it wishes to do domestically, but more importantly, globally. Because let's be real, it is the U.S. empire that is on the line. It is Biden on behalf of the most ideologically predatory warlike forces in the United States who is attempting to reassert the U.S. empire and U.S. hegemony on a world scale. There is no left response. If there is, I'd like to hear it. The biggest left organization, and of course we put inverted quotes whenever we say left, is the Democratic Socialists of America. And what are they? They're challenging for a voice in the Democratic Party. Right. And now we have to ask, what is the Democratic Party? It is the party of war. It is the party of empire. It is the party of the wealthiest um, uh, uh, elements in U.S. society. It is not a working class party. And all the protestations all the profiling and um, I call it perpetration and Twitter account building of the so-called left is not going to change the Democratic Party uh, from what it is, from what it became. And this is quite interesting. 30 years ago, the Democratic Party, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, and under the Clinton administration became the party of war uh, in, in Yugoslavia, but uh, of course uh, throughout the Middle East uh, and, and so on. And there is not a serious left response because the left is ideologically and politically bankrupt and is in bed with U.S. imperialism. You know, before I make this observation, I just want to give you a piece of data that you're going to find interesting if you haven't seen this already. Um, Richard Nixon resigned under siege, basically, uh, in August of 1974. At that time, the day he resigned, his positive was 24%. And his negative was 58%. Biden's numbers right now, positive, are 38% and uh, negative of 59%. Wow. 
his numbers are comparable, very comparable, to Nixon's, not a month before he was pushed out, by the way, but the day before he was pushed out. Mm-hmm. Now, if you t- consider that, then look at the next move, because at the moment, if, if they push him out, whether behind the scenes or they turn off his teleprompter or or put his walker out of step, you know, out of reach, um, <laughs> Harris is the president by operation mm-hmm. of law. Um, I don't think that's palatable to anyone because we're having serious. You started tracking this when we started talking in 2015. Serious uh, questions of legitimacy among the general masses in the country now looking at the, at the government. And when you have only 39% approving of Biden's, that means about half of Democrats don't approve of him either. Yes. And, and so you putting someone who's not popular with them in means she's going to have no base from the start. And it looks like we, I mean, we are on the brink of a war with Russia. At the same time, Biden's said or read off his teleprompter or whatever, he's going to appoint someone uh, to take Breyer's place on the uh, Supreme Court. It's going to be a black woman. Now, Breyer's talking about not leaving for months, you know, into the summer, I think it was. But, you know, if all of a sudden you see he goes, um, 10 bucks says it's her. And in any event, so that's a little sideshow. Here's the point. With all of that, with, with Biden as weak as he is, with no one really in a position to rally uh, on behalf of the Democrats, I can't think of a reason why this wouldn't be the time that so-called progressives in the so-called progressive caucus and the so-called black leadership in the Congressional Black Caucus aren't making a move now to, if nothing else, if not to impeach him, a resolution with the sense of the Congress saying back the hell up. And not even a suggestion of that is coming out of them. And you know what else, of course? Not a suggestion of that is coming out of the uh, uh, the group you just mentioned, the Democratic uh, so-called Socialists of America, and uh, or any of the other groups on the left saying, look, this is the time now. This is existential stuff here. This is we are a left so that you don't blow the world up for capitalism. Nobody that voice is not there. Nobody's talking about actually moving on Biden and moving on this government instead of having a parade someplace. Anyway. Yeah, that, and, you know, um, I, I think you, you frame it so well uh, and you make it concrete. You make it a life and death struggle. And the left and the progressives who have historically been in the vanguard of the struggle against war and against nuclear war is silent. Where is Bernie Sanders? Right. You know, where's the, where where's the squad? AOC? Where is the squad? Right. And you're right. Where's the progressive caucus? Where's Barbara Where Lee? The Congressional Black Caucus. Right. Not a word. Yep. Not a word. Instead, they're actually lining up. Uh, what's his name? Went over. Meeks went over to uh, Ukraine. And he, you know, standing basically in the same ground that McCain and Newland stood in 2013. Uh, Hakeem. Um, yeah, uh, Hakeem. Uh, Jeff. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is the time of day it is. And just from a political standpoint, it is 
and it should be viewed by the left as a profound crisis. Um, you know, it raises certain questions about what we call the left. Is the left being led by the uh, nonprofit industrial complex? Uh, that is, these uh, finance, so-called liberal and progressive organizations, when I say finance, financed by big corporate philanthropy and, you know, and other stuff, is that what we're calling the left? An out-of-touch, uh, uh, you know, kind of, how could you call them? Professional protesters right. and, and identity politicians more concerned about cancel culture and canceling critical discourse than they are about anything else. A bunch of um, dilettantes uh, and, uh, and so on. It, it is a disgrace at this point that this is called the left. And um, I should add, and, and their academic university enablers, their so-called professorial uh, uh, enablers. Look, this is a critical time. I think, and I, I, I'm so impressed with what you do, Don, and I hope you can keep doing it as long as you can, that someone has to say enough is enough of BS. Uh, this is fake, this is a fake left, a fraudulent left, a left that has no ideological uh, clarity, doesn't seek it, is more interested in supporting uh, trans people than they are in supporting the working class as a whole, uh, not to mention the black working class. Black Lives Matter is a cover for interests that are not connected to black people. Uh, in fact, most black people that I talk to, ordinary black people, don't like them because they see them as not being connected to the concerns of ordinary black people in these big cities, including the collapse of public education, gentrification, uh, crime and real violence in these cities. Uh, so we have to build the left, Don, and we have to begin uh, by uh, fighting for ideological clarity and exposing the charlatans and the dilettantes and the BS artists and those who are financed and backed by the same interests uh, that control the Democratic Party and that are now pushing uh, for war in the Ukraine and then ultimately in the South China Sea and over, over the question of Taiwan. Yeah. I could just say to that, uh, obviously building a left with ideological clarity and uh, both feet in the ground of reality uh, is a fairly urgent task, um, given that we have uh, perhaps an imminent uh, danger, uh, to use the word that was banded about the State Department press conference yesterday, uh, that we are really, really inadequate 
to that particular task at the moment, and the stakes are pretty big. I, I don't think they have ever been bigger in history, as a matter of fact. A, a nuclear exchange in 1962 would look like a mosquito hitting a windshield <laughs> compared to the bomb against your windshield and under your car that a nuclear war today would be. The wet, there are perhaps 10 times as many warheads, and they are perhaps 10 to 100 times each more powerful with delivery systems that are thousands of times more precise. You know, Don, it was so apparent in 2020, you and I had interviews and then we spoke privately all the time about this. When the left yep. went hook, line, and sinker, with Biden, there was no, yeah, they did. Dis- not even an inch of distance between the so-called left and Biden. You know, this is something, by the way, there should have been a lesson, excuse me for but just, just this, there should have been a lesson in 2004 if there wasn't one before. When the, during the nomination process for Democratic candidates, you know, 18 months or even it started a year after uh, Bush started a major war on Iraq, that the cry became anyone but Bush. A- and that was the, the, the organizing principle. Even the Green Party threw in with that. And we ended up with John Kerry. And John Kerry, of course, lost, but... He ended up in the in the State Department in the second Obama term. He was indistinguishable from Bush in terms of policy. Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know uh, you're so right about that. And I, I would just say again that the paramount issue is war and peace for the people, for the left. Yep. Now, that does not mean that inflation and the economy and urban violence and all these other issues are not important, but always overriding everything is the existential question of war and peace. And if there is not a coherent voice for peace against the military-industrial complex, against the war makers, ultimately against Biden and his administration. If that doesn't emerge, the left is nothing but another betrayer of the masses of working people in this country. And they should be treated with the utter contempt of any betrayer of the people. You know, people doing this kind of work and uh it, it, you study philosophy like you've been teaching a class uh, at the leading a class i'd say right um at the uh the saturday free school um it, studying hegel that just i think he just concluded um you know sometimes you use words like existential and they have a very definite meaning but the average person out here doesn't really know what it means what it means is your existence Okay, this is an existential question. If you don't exist, then policy on racism or sexism or transism or food, shelter, economy, transportation, whatever, none of it matters if you don't exist. And that's what's at stake at the moment. That's right. 
That's right. I think it's I think it's what Martin Luther King called the fierce urgency of now. That's right. Yep. The the urgent urgency of now in this particular the case. Urgency <laughs> of now, and you know um, uh, that that point, as he put it, where you have to break your silence, and uh, I, for one, am prepared to go all in on this fake left. Uh, and, you know, what I, I mean, I, I think they are fake. I think they are superficial. I think they, at best, are non-revolutionary. I think infiltrated among them are uh, provocateurs and anti-revolutionaries. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I think yeah. their ideas kind of point in the direction that they rather divide the people than unite the people, that, um, that they act like uh, the, the 1% of elites who think they know it all. Uh, and so I think we have to say no to the 1619 Project, no to settler colonialism, no to uh, uh, cent making central LGBTQ and especially transism, I think we are confronted now with either we speak or people like us speak and speak up and speak strongly or see ourselves as uh, responsible, take some of the responsibility uh, for what could happen. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm getting more nervous by the day. We're, we're out of time. I appreciate it, Professor Montero. We will speak again about this next week. Thank you so much. If we're here. <laughs> if we're here. And that's all the news we have for you right now. For Community Public Radio, I'm Don DeBar in New York. Thanks for listening. <laughs>